We are going to start today's session with some scheduled programming. Uh, first, we have a conversation with Andres Oak, standing partner at Terra Ventures. Andres, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, thank you for having me here. Hello. Yes, we can hear you. Andres, let's start by introducing our audience to yourself as well as Terra Ventures, and I will, uh, you know, ask you questions to further illustrate your uh, investment thesis and work with Terra. Sure, I So talk so, a bit so, about your background. Yeah, so um, um, I'm, I'm, as I said, yeah, one of the founding partners of Terra Ventures. Uh, Terra is Tallinn-based seed funds. Um, uh, we currently invest from our 45 million euro a second fund, and, and yeah, we are sort of halfway through. We have done 15 deals, and probably we'll do another 15. And and yeah, we we are well broadly seed from early to late, from a couple of hundred thousand uh, euro initial tickets to one and a half million. And um, and yeah, we support our portfolio companies throughout the early rounds as well. And we like to be early. We've been actually mostly the first investors. So, um, so yeah, um, some of our most um, notable portfolio companies, um, we have um, started supporting them when they were essentially a founder teams and um, flight techs and uh, some marketing tests. Yeah. So you do essentially pre-seed and concept stage investing. And later, later seed as well, yeah. So not, not only early. Yeah. Like to be so you you do the follow-ons, but you're you're okay. You're comfortable with doing these very early stage stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what uh, what do you need to see in a founder team where you would write a check against a concept? So um, so yeah, this is actually where we spend most of our time, really trying to understand the founders' uh, um, ambitions and um, and motivation and, and background as well. So um, so yeah, we we sort of uh, we we think about it quite um, broadly as well. So so for instance, we we try to. Um, um, invest both into experienced founders and and uh, first-time uh, entrepreneurs as well. So um, and um, and yeah, of, of course. I mean, the uh, the main point really is: well, um, do we believe that these guys can actually well, change the world or become well category leaders in their category or in their industry? And um, and yeah, do we believe we we will uh, be able to help them and um, well, what heuristics have you uh, come up with in determining that? And there, these are two different categories, right? The, the experienced entrepreneur often is a proven quantity, somebody who has track record, and and you can invest in somebody's track record. But a first-time entrepreneur doesn't have that. So, what do you look for in a first-time founder to write a so uh, pre-seed check. So, um, so yeah, the um, um, the, the um, well, obviously intellectual capability as well. So, um, but but yeah, the other um, um, the way they 
think about our business, the, uh, the extent of actually um, done the homework in a sense, even though they are early, I mean, they, they should have been thinking about, at least thinking about their business for, um, for some meaningful amount of time. And, and yeah, we, we sort of um, try to sort of test their ideas and well, dismiss them. And, and the, the quality of self-discussion usually is actually the, the main um, way we, we evaluate the opportunity as well. So, um, and, and yeah, we, we are not this, uh, too fast uh, decision maker, perhaps. So we we would like to spend some time with Take your time to get to know the yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah and, mm -hmm. this, uh, and obviously, we, 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 we try to help them at the same time. So it's not just that, well, we're, um, I don't know, interviewing them or, or testing them. Well, the usual test is, is something uh, related to their go-to-market, actually. So we, we are well, trying to validate this opportunity together with them and this can lead to um, yeah. well, uh, them finding customers uh, with us well we obviously we've been doing this for um, more than 13 years so we've been uh, during that time have been well, developing capabilities well how to actually find relevant people and we, we do obviously have existing networks and and yeah, all three Terra partners are previous entrepreneurs as well. So, so of course we um, uh, we we mostly actually like this um, all, uh, side of the business where where we try to help. Them. So, um, so this is really an enjoyable yeah. exercise, uh, trying to validate this opportunity and at the same time getting to know them. And what? Um... What sectors do you invest in? What types of businesses do you like to invest in? Um, we are agnostic. Um, we've invested in many industries. Um, uh, of course, we like some themes more than others. Uh, we've been investing in this AI machine learning for more than a decade, and that's uh, mm -hmm. our main theme, really. And the other point is that as we are hands-on, as some of our portfolio companies mature, we get to learn about the respective industries as well. For that reason, we like fintech more. Uh, we like automation, uh, and we're well, sort of um, um, focused on partner levels. So I personally also follow uh, adtech uh, and edtech, for instance. Mm -hmm. And what what about B two C? Do you do B two C as well? Yeah, we we are um, open for that as well. Uh, we we are predominantly B two B. That's uh, because well, that's the deal flow. Uh, we see and we, we are more comfortable about those deals as well, but yeah, we don't exclude B2C. Okay, so it's primarily B2B SaaS and then some B2C potentially. And, and another theme, certainly, we, we like to uh, invest in those well, more serious engineering cases or, or, or deep tech as well. So, yeah. And what is the geographical span of Terra? So, so yeah, Estonia is the whole market. Most of our deals uh, are here, but, but we also cover um, uh, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, um, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Poland, and Czech Republic. So, sort of a circle around Baltic Sea. Circle around where? Baltic, Baltic Sea. Yeah. Baltic Sea. Baltic Sea. Oh, okay. 
And and you are based in in what city? Tallinn, Tallinn, Estonia. But uh, Tallinn, we are we are sort of a remote team. So, all three uh, of you. So, all three yeah. of you are based in Tallinn. Uh, yeah. So so main office is here in Tallinn, but uh, three of us are here, uh, three team members. But we uh, one of us is actually in London, and uh, one is in okay. Amsterdam, and uh, we also have presence in Helsinki. So. Got it. So. So you're you're based in Tallinn, but you are investing at least in a broader catchment area, not just in Estonia. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how does the Estonian culture and entrepreneurial um, momentum play into your investment strategy? Does that mean that you invest in the you know around the Baltic Sea, but are you looking for people to, you know, have development shops in Estonia or some kind of like a backend in Estonia? What, uh, how does, how do you leverage Estonia? So Estonia is very special. So um, yeah. to put it in context, yes. Yeah, so um, um, first it, it is a small um, country. So, uh, so yeah, 1.3 million um, inhabitants. And right. uh, and we actually have um, ten Estonian unicorns. So in That's per capita amazing. terms, we are amazing. one of the leading countries, and and this is reflected in well, essentially in any per capita measurement. So including well per capita um, investment uh, amount uh, annually. Yeah. Last year it was. Um, more than a billion dollars this year already it's more than a billion dollars so again so if you, if you consider one 1.3 million people that's that's quite a lot yeah. so so this is very helpful and, and we've been actually we we achieved this um quite fast as well so um so when when i started to invest 13 years ago um the annual amount raised here in estonia was few million euros total mm -hmm. uh, across all the uh, startups so obviously we've we've um, evolved very uh, very rapidly and uh, the, uh, the the main sort of um, trigger for that um, well Skype is obviously Estonian and, and we uh, we've uh, yeah. uh, we've spent this time and then the well, success of Skype actually happened like 17 18 years ago so we've spent this time to actually well trying to understand well how to uh build such a um disruptive and born global company and and yeah we've um, by now sort of um, understood or internalized that as, a, as an ecosystem and yeah this has resulted already in well many other um, unicorns and yeah in our own existing portfolio we have um, a couple of um, uh, startups valued in hundreds of millions so um, so yeah this um, evolution of the ecosystem or um, how attractive the Estonian ecosystem is, is certainly uh, part of our uh, success. But, but obviously, like it's not just about question. Estonia, it's the rest of the region is, is very interesting as well. I'd like to ask you a few questions about that Estonian ecosystem and some metrics, actually. 1.3 million people, how many people work in the tech ecosystem? Whether it's engineers, you know, managers, marketing, whatever, but in the tech ecosystem, investors. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know by heart. Um, yeah. But is it like ten percent, twenty percent, five percent? What are we talking? Yeah, if you think about the whole sort of IT industry, then um, this is perhaps around ten percent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact figure. Yeah. It is growing fast. The, uh, the startup ecosystem is growing thirty uh, percent a year. So, um... and uh, the unicorns that have come about, uh, what what do we what have you learned in terms of what sectors have they come in and and what what, what how have they leveraged the Estonian strength? Um, so. In case of the unicorns, um, there is again actually sort of no um, no specific industry where they would come from. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, um, they um, they are across various various industries really. So, uh, but but I think what's um, what's what is the um, one of the all cornerstones is this, well again this Skype role model. Skype at the time was like a truly disruptive company, and, and this is uh, what uh, this is like a mental model that we have. Uh, can we can we find the next Skype? Can we find something that is well, truly disruptive? I think yeah, that's perhaps the main main theme across uh, all of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to what extent is this mindset of of being really ambitious and and disruptive? Um, Present beyond Estonia and the rest of the Baltic region. So, so it, it is certainly uh, present in in Scandinavia. So, um, so yeah, um, in our region, actually, uh, Sweden is the most mature market, and and, uh, and they also have uh, well many unicorns there. So, uh, so uh, and we, we are actually uh, all learning from from Stockholm ecosystem quite a bit. Um, and and the, the other other main cities in the region, they uh, it's a share the same sort of um, um, highly educated um, pool of people, and and uh, well, it, it used to be that our region was uh, mostly uh, excelling uh, with tech talent, but uh, yeah, this um, well. Development has uh, now happened for such a long time that while well, we we are well, more balanced, the commercial capabilities uh, are also yeah. here. So this is yeah, from your um, U.S. perspective, uh, uh, perhaps interesting to note as well that yeah, previously the uh, European startups uh, uh, are essentially the the primary goal was to um, enter the U.S. market or at least to fundraise from there. But the European yeah. marketplace has uh, matured during recent years so much yeah. that it's it's not any, even necessary anymore. They they can also get funded here in in Europe. So and um, as, as an effect, actually, US VCs have um, uh, not just paid more attention here, but well, they they have well established teams here. Uh, uh, in Europe, yeah. Otherwise, they would just miss those opportunities. So, so when right, we started, right. we actually also, uh, well, our our initial target indeed was to send our portfolio companies to um, 
to the U.S., especially East Coast. Um, we've also sold three uh, portfolio companies to uh, major NASDAQ-listed um, U.S. corporations. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the, the main way we have sort of um, enabled this or, or helped them to do that, we, we have helped them to, to fundraise from uh, from U.S. investors. And, and yes, the list is quite long there, but it does include those top names like Union Square Ventures, SMR, Craig Carlton, yeah. Hitchcock. Um, yeah, I said mostly uh, mostly East Coast, but but yeah, also five portfolio companies in in London. Uh, the most notable syndicate partner there is is Malton, and um, and but we we're not just called European and and US uh, uh, in terms of network. Uh, we've actually done several deals with Japanese investors, mostly portfolio mm. company level level, and and uh, and also the. Top names have um, have invested into our portfolio companies after us, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, two of them are invested in our fund as well, including mm-hmm. uh, the, the most notable being um, Itochu, one of the largest uh, Japanese uh, companies actually, and uh, and we um, when we fundraised for the um, the uh, current fund, we really tried to. Um, raise money from those LPs that um, um, are, are helping beyond money. So they are not invested just to get the financial return, but they are actually interested to uh, to do deals with portfolio companies and sometimes deal flow companies. So and as, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Isitochu is a, um, an in- industrial conglomerate that actually covers a large yeah. part of Asia as well, they are like a soft landing partner for our companies in, in Asia, really. And, and as I said, we, we actually have several, uh, we, we really try to get those value-adding LPs into the fund, and we, we have several in the fund. So mostly from Scandinavia, but actually free from the US as well. The, uh, the most notable being Perot Jane, a major Texas-based group of companies and, and, and an investor. So, and again, they, they are actually helping portfolio companies, investing in them. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a soft landing opportunity for our companies in the US. So, um, you know, we have been also working with the Indian ecosystem from the very beginning. And we have had a lot of success with the Indian ecosystem. We have huge presence in that space. Uh, one thing we've learned is that if it's a India-facing B2C company, that company should be raising money in India. And there's plenty of money available in India for a good venture. If it's a B2B company, either Indian market-facing B2B company or even a global market-facing B2B company, the go-to-market strategy can be fully executed sitting in India. Only when it comes to enterprise deals or you know, some sort of global, whether it's global B2C, global edtech, global, you know, whatever, fintech, it, then it comes the question of having to, you know, have presence in the U.S. If enterprise companies generally, enterprise-facing companies generally want to come to the U.S. And, and, you know, start, after they validate in India, they come to the U.S. and they want to enter the market in the U.S. because U.S. enterprise customers are very savvy in buying new technology and innovation. What, how would you summarize the, the perspective in your part of the world 
in those categories, like you know, the European-facing, the internal domestic market-facing B2C, the small business-facing B2B, and then the enterprise-facing B2B. Yeah, so uh, I certainly see similarities uh, from our point of view, um, especially this U.S. approach. I think it's, it's pretty similar, but but I wouldn't be so strict. So um, so so meaning that um, well, um, you you can find those um, well matching investors that can actually help in their respective markets uh, in many places. It's not just uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, as well. So, so, uh, so yeah, um, for instance... You're talking uh, about I, the enterprise-facing B2B. Uh, and in, in that category, I actually agree that, well, the U.S. is uh, usually the most attractive um, market. So, uh, but I'm, I'm saying that... Um, in the other categories, so uh, so I, I wouldn't be um, so uh, limiting or, or or the this well current world is so diverse that you can find the 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 good uh, partners and then create investors for your companies uh, in many locations. So it's it's difficult to um, sort of focus um, like uh, really on on Europe only or something like that and as i said we we have been um, successful in in getting um, investors from the us from europe and and from japan as well so so uh, so we it's um it so makes more sense. european market facing companies you're saying yeah it makes more sense to um to sort of um uh, talk to more investors. So, uh, so when we um, and obviously, well, coming back to the uh, the uh, point about the founders as well. So, so it is actually quite a lot related to their ambition. So, um, so yeah. in some cases, they they themselves like uh, really want to go to the US and well, and and, the, and in, in case of at least a couple of my portfolio companies, they just don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, so they but want to stay here. Yeah. The other advantage you have, I think, in in the case of Europe, is that there is actually a substantial enterprise software buyer market in Europe as well. Um, the Indian software buyer market or technology buyer market is not as mature. Europe, Europe has a lot of enterprises, large enterprises that buy a lot of technology, knows how to buy a lot of technology, and so you could build a substantial business catering to the European enterprise customers already. That That's one observation I have. And then the second one is that language is, is an issue in Europe more uh, than in India. In India, the business operates mostly in English. So software, everything is in English. Whereas in, uh, in Europe, I think there's a bit more of a language issue and uh, English is not necessarily the lingua franca of Europe, although in Northern Europe, in, in your region, in Scandinavia, English is more of a lingua franca. Is that correct? I agree with that. But yeah, obviously, lately, uh, the uh, English language is, is much more um, 
commonplace. So um, so young people will obviously speak English, uh, even in Southern European countries. Yeah. So, so I think it's evolving quite nicely from that perspective as well. Yeah, it's evolving, right, right. Um, before we finish, would you like to talk about a couple of your investments as kind of case studies? And when, as you talk about them, talk about their value proposition and market and so forth, but also talk about how you encountered them, what stage were they in, what stage were they in, and what is it about them that compelled you to write the check? Sure. So, um, so this is one of my first investments, uh, a company called Crabcat. Um, it's um, uh, it, it wasn't a special um, case from the very beginning. So, so usually startups are, are very focused, and, and uh, these guys they they were sort of uh, um, working with um, uh, three different. Um, focuses or, or pillars of the business. So, so they are like a, a LinkedIn for CAD engineers. They, they are also a CAD library and, and they, they initially had sort of CAD services online. So, and, and mm -hmm. we were considering that all, is it okay? Is it, um, uh, why are you not focused or would it be better to have a focus? And, um, and well, this took some time, but uh, but the, the guys were um, uh, so forward-looking and, and so so uh, executed so well that um, they sort of proved this with traction. So this um, obviously they, when they started, well, uh, these um, none of those things really existed online. So and um, so you're talking about that CAD libraries yeah. for mechanical design? Yes, exactly. So, and, and because they got great models uh, into this library, well, this this um, uh, obviously uh, got quite a lot of attention. And that's why the engineers actually signed up to this um, platform, this well, enabled mm -hmm. creating this uh, well, LinkedIn for for CAD engineers and well, this was like a virtuous cycle really. And then, uh, then they well, started even building uh, CAD functionality, some kind of functionality into the browser as well. So, so, um, so yeah, very cool company. And, and yeah, we, we had a really nice exit uh, with them um, after they uh, went through um, Techstars Boston and then raised money from Matrix Partners at the Ventures and Charles River joined at Series B. So, so yeah, it's a, it's and an who, interesting who story. Who bought the company? Uh, Stratasys, uh, as I yeah. I did uh, quite a bit of work on a CAD company uh, in the early 2000s. I know the CAD market reasonably well. And I'm just curious, was it any particular CAD platform that they were building models on, or were they covering multiple CAD platforms? What was the strategy? Yeah, yeah, multiple, yeah, that, that was it. Multiple, okay, yeah. cool. Very cool. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll wrap up. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, so I, I have another portfolio company which uh, has excelled really by doing 
um, many pivots. Uh, so, so when I first talked to them, they um, they were um, um, so their their point was that well the uh, the um, uh, video ads were essentially as time tested uh, in in university labs and mm. and uh, like complicated um, um, eye tracking machines were used and. Uh, and then they thought that okay, we can sort of simplify this, and we can well just getting those people, getting the panelists to those well university labs is is a hassle. And then he thought that okay, we can well bring those devices to well regular um, cafeterias and, and well make it simpler. Uh, but uh, well, this still at the time wasn't actually compelling. So so. When I thought that okay, this is now really interesting to invest in, they actually had figured out that they can, without those physical eye tracking devices, they can actually um, um, they can do it algorithmically from any webcam. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is obviously more scalable, uh, much more interesting. You can all test across the whole world and different segments of people. Uh, and then they dis uh, discovered that well, actually, well, emotions are more valuable than well, eye tracking. So if you if you can mm -hmm. detect the emotional response, and it's well, customers are more interested in that. And they developed the capability for that. So and and then after that, they discovered that well, actually, attention is potentially even more interesting. So and they've actually developed uh, the the industry leading. Um, capability to, to detect um, attention as well. And, and during the past few years, they've actually branched out to other um, uh, nearby use cases. And uh, and yeah, they, they are actually uh, a really interesting company going forward. So what use case do they monetize do really on primarily? Sorry? What use case do they monetize primarily? So they, Actually, currently the uh, the uh, the main uh, product is um, mostly actually attention uh, measurement measurement and this emotion tracking. So, um, in what context? In what use case? In uh, in the uh, well, uh, ad ad measurement and uh, advertising video video mm -hmm. ad uh, yeah. and and uh, mm -hmm. media placement as well. Yeah. I see. Okay. Very cool. Well, it's been quite an enlightening conversation uh, to learn both about your firm's activities as well as the region's activities. So uh, we will keep in touch and, and uh, you know, track the progress of the region. We are very, very excited about the whole globalization of entrepreneurship, which was our mission when we launched in 2010. And, uh, and it's been really wonderful to see uh, that evolution and we constantly provide our platform to showcase those movements. So thank you for coming and sharing today. Thank you very much, Sam. Yeah.